You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. Well, good day, my lovely bride chiller and groom chiller friends. It is a Q&A episode, one of my favorite episodes, because that means I can bring in a wonderful expert who knows more about weddings than I'll ever know in my whole entire <laughs> life <laughs> and get them to take some of the heat off me and also give you perhaps some more professional advice or at least stuff that, you know, I don't have to make up on the spot. Michelle DePetty <laughs> has been... <laughs> Planning weddings since 2008. She's from one of my favorite places in the whole of America, Chicago. Michelle, I've spent some time in Chicago. Oh, I didn't know that. I have. My cousin lives in Chicago, and we've been very lucky. My husband and I have visited Chicago a number of times. I've got lots of things to say about the Windy City. I love it. And uh, I'm grateful to have you here sharing uh, your wonderful insights. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm so happy you like Chicago. That made my day. Oh, I love it. I love it. And uh, my husband's an architect, so we've done all the architecture Oh, tours. for sure. That's a great thing to do here. Yeah. We love wandering the streets and we particularly love Eggie's Diner. Shout mm-hmm. out to Eggie's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Uh, now, Michelle, tell me a little bit about how you came to be in the wedding business because you, you have organized some pretty prominent events in the city of Chicago as well as weddings. Uh, it's exciting to have you here and, and learn a little bit about what you do. Oh, thank you so much. I have actually been a planner in one form or another for my entire career. So I started uh, about, I think it was about 15, 18 years ago, uh, right out of college. I actually had an internship. I'll be brief. I won't get long, I promise, but Come this on, is sort I'm of relevant. <laughs> so I started with an internship at a public affairs firm. Okay. So originally I learned the ins and outs of uh, public affairs directly related to things like crisis management, how to be a spokesperson on behalf of a client or brand, um, how to write well, how to communicate well. It was actually a really wonderful exercise for me and a tool that I have used my entire career. When I found that I was more interested in building and creating the actual event, more so than I was dictating the message, um, and, and also that those two can be very linked in a cohesive way, I started moving more onto the event side. So I began my event career doing a lot of political kinds of events through the firm that I was working at. I started as an intern and I was definitely a grunt. Uh, And I I loved my $10 an hour job, which was something I absolutely loved. Um, And then sort of made my way naturally through, you know, a a progression of working for various firms, a couple that were a little too big for me, a little too corporate, until about 12 years ago when I ended up opening my own company uh, and have been here ever since. So we started out originally working primarily on those larger, more high profile events that you had mentioned, lots of social and nonprofit charity galas. And in about 2008, when our economy switched a little bit, my father had said something. I like that you said switched. Yep, Yep. it it evolved. Um, (laughs) mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to stick to positive. My (laughs) father said something really funny to me. He was like, you know, here's the deal. You're an event producer. You produce events. I said, yes, that's how my dad talks. I said, yes, I do. He said, well, two events, you know, are always going to happen. People will always get married and they will always pass away. Yes, (laughs) And so I is dad, you know, dad for the win with the knowledge. Right. And I said, well, you know, here's the deal. I agree wholeheartedly, not so much a fan of planning funerals. So I'm going to go the wedding route. And that was really when I honed in on planning weddings. So we still do a fair amount of private events, baby showers, et cetera, some larger nonprofits. And, but we really focus on weddings these days. 
That's nice. And what do you think you learned from your corporate days of doing those sort of those bigger events? Because I think we've all been, I mean, a lot of people listening would have been to corporate events Mm -hmm. and would have loved some, would have found them a bit boring sometimes or Mm -hmm. cliche or whatever. What did you take from that experience to then take it into what you do now? Which I must say, your weddings are stunning. They're creative. They're out here. Very suave and uh, just lovely. So what have you taken from that experience? Thank you. So it's funny that you mentioned that because a few of the a few of the core pieces, a few of the core lessons that I took from my time doing those kinds of events was one, how important it is to manage your day logistically. So mm-hmm. a wedding is still an event and it still has a live program. Just like a gala has a speaking program, a wedding has a live program. What that means is there's a time when a bride and groom is introduced. There's a time when they dance, a time when someone makes toasts. There might be a blessing. All of those elements are what I refer to as a live program. The mm-hmm. same as if we had a speaking program or a presentation in a gala. The importance of scheduling all of those in a cohesive, seamless way that allows for flow during the actual wedding is something I took from my corporate days. And also the importance prior to that of building a timeline that allows for all contributing vendors to really flourish so they know when they're loading in, what they're responsible for, what their element is that's contributing to the whole. So we ultimately work to create these these weddings that are layered and that have a look and a feel and a taste and a smell that resonates with not only the guests that are attending, but the bride and groom as well, because most of the time the the brides and the grooms and their families are those investing in the experience. We want our clients to love it just as much. So that's kind of what I took from that was the importance of timing, organization, really having a pre-production timeline going into an event and then staying on task during an event. Communication is key for that as well. You're speaking my language, Michelle. In my day job, I'm a TV producer, and it's uh, so it makes sense to you. Yeah, this is like Mm -hmm. logistics. It gets me all, whoo, gets me all hot Mm -hmm. and ready to go because I feel like. I feel like a lot of people underestimate, uh, we call it in TV, you call it a call sheet. You know, you know where mm-hmm. you're going to be, yes. what's going to happen, and you've got to have a bit of contingency. But if things have got to happen when they've got to happen, if my, uh, if I'm a supervising producer and my, I don't want to say lower people, just people that are doing the jobs beneath me, um, sure. aren't doing what they're doing. <laughs> I'll give them a kick up the ass for it, Michelle. But I think the timeline is something that I see a conversation happening a lot in our community. And especially, I know we're going to talk a little bit about um, the importance of coordination and having Mm -hmm. someone there on your team to help you run it uh, the day. It it can be underestimated the importance of sticking to that schedule, especially when you're dealing with caterers and all these other vendors that Mm -hmm. absolutely are relying on that timeline. Can you give some of your – I know we're going to go into – we've got a lot of questions, but now I'm just getting all excited about talking That's to you. That's okay. <laughs> um, what are some tips if people are looking at a timeline? I think it's important for get, for uh, couples to understand the process of planning and, and looking at mm-hmm. a timeline for a schedule for a day. What are some of your tips to, to really hit those points and make sure you stick to time? So I think one of the most important elements about a timeline is – making sure that because what a timeline does is essentially wrangle all of the various pieces from if you have a band or a DJ or music during a ceremony, when your hair and makeup begins, all of these pieces, as you're going through the planning process, Mm 
mm-hmm. they can get a little overwhelming, right? Because you're, you're working on many moving parts at one time. What the timeline allows you to do, and I normally suggest, and I do this for my clients, about the six-week mark prior, after you've done your tasting, after you've spoken with you know food and, and beverage, if you, if you have a tasting, that's a really important thing to get timing kind of down pat for with them. Then what you do is you take all your other contracts and you look at everything. This is my day. I need to distill it down into one cohesive, we almost refer to it sometimes as a Bible because it's sort of our religion for the day, Um, and get it all in order so I know what's happening when. Then the timeline isn't only the 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 thing that you adhere to while you're in the day, it also becomes a checklist leading into it to make sure all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed, mm-hmm. right? Once you're beyond that, the great thing about having all of that distilled into one place, you had mentioned how important it is to make sure timing goes well on a day. The reason why you want to take all of these somewhat controllable elements and put them into one place is because there's always a variable on a wedding day. Mm-hmm. Yes. Always. It could be like in Chicago, for example, it is often weather. You know, (laughs) (laughs) we see snow in May and we're like, ah, what are you going to do? Right. I did a wedding. I did a wedding about three weeks ago and the day, the rehearsal day, it was a balmy, sunny, not a cloud in the sky, 80 degrees here in Chicago. The next day it was snowing. I got a photo from my cousin that day saying it's back. (laughs) Exactly. Like it'll never leave. Um, But so the importance of finalizing, okay, this is, you know, Floral is arriving at this time. I need to be up and in my ready to go, you know, for hair and makeup at this point. I need to be in my dress at this point. My fiance needs to be in her dress or his tuxedo at this point. Making sure that all of those tiny little minute details get into one place give you a sense of not, I don't want to say control, but a sense of direction for the day, right? And you know, in live TV, there are always things that come out of nowhere. But when you have, as much planned, right? You, you can plan for the best and then you can handle the unaccounted for. Yeah. It's interesting you said about control. Cause I think some people w- will say, Oh, bride chillers, it just means they're really easy and they don't, you know, they're just free and loose. And I actually <clears throat> disagree and say, I think being able to be relaxed and, and not nonchalant, that's the, probably the wrong way to say it, but a, a bit at ease is because you're organized and you know what's mm-hmm. happening and that you have, uh, you've got your plan. You're not going to freak out about things because you know what's happening. Yeah. You're not necessarily ultra like, sticking to everything crazy and if it doesn't go right you're going to flip out but also to go I feel comfortable because I am aware of what's going to happen we have a contingency and also mm-hmm. shit happens and you're going to move on and someone else will help you on the day if things are, don't run smoothly absolutely and the thing that I always tell my clients is this we make these timelines we create we do all of this work in advance mm-hmm. to allow us the peace of mind of seeing the day before it happens and you're yeah. right inevitably there's a little bit of shit on a wedding day, right? <laughs> and if you plan it, if you, if you, if you have an understanding of what's happening when you can account for that so easily that it doesn't really leave a mark, right? Yeah. It just sort of, you, you acknowledge that it's happening and you have either a contingency plan or you can just get right through it and get right back on track. And I think that's one of the most important things is however elaborate your wedding may be, or however, relaxed your wedding may be, whatever your aesthetic is, whatever your budget is, making sure you understand the timing of your day is key, I think, for everyone. And it peace of mind is what's going to make a bride chill or a yes. groom chill. Peace of mind, understanding what they're investing in and when it's going to happen, that's that's the chill part. I think that's the chill factor for me. Oh, let's put that on a t-shirt, Michelle. I feel like we're <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love Good. t-shirts. Me too. 
All right, let's go to some questions. We've got a a question from lovely Chelsea. She says, I'm having a destination wedding where 40 guests, mostly from Southern California and the UK, well, that's a Mm -hmm. different combination, will be travelling many hours to stay for a week in a chateau in the Loire Valley in France. Bonjour. The chateau is quite isolated and I want to make sure my guests, especially the travel-phobic ones, a.k.a. my parents, feel super comfortable. As a hospitality hospitality expert, that's you, Michelle, mm-hmm. um, what are some top things you would recommend I have ready to do for them, especially in their room when they arrive or to have to do during the week? And then she says, as a bonus question, any suggestions to help people to get to know each other the first night? These are good questions. Mm-hmm. I like Actually, I, I, I really enjoyed this question from Chelsea. So hello, Chelsea. Hello. Um, and I'm really excited about her lovely wedding. It sounds, sounds beautiful. Sounds good, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. We're available, Chelsea. Absolutely. If you need Love some help. Valley. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so to get right to her question, specifically regarding her parents, I love that she uses travel phobic. That's pretty common, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah. So something that I would say that oh, when you're doing a destination wedding and everyone is meeting you in a place, you're really creating this moment in time, right? They're probably either they've not been there before or they might not be there again. It might be emotionally something that resonates with you, but not necessarily with them. So they're coming to celebrate you in this place. So I think something that's always really lovely is some kind of welcome bag, a letter, something that upon arrival, they receive immediately that says, welcome. Thank you. Here's what to expect. And in there, if you do a little research, you could maybe find, even though the venue sounds the, uh, it sounds as though it's in a little bit of a remote area, probably within walking distance, there might be a little, uh, like a, some version of a pub for those that are from, you know, both California and the UK wanting to know where can they get easy eats? Can the hotel provide that? In which case you include that or within walking distance, is there something they can go to? Um, are there any walking tours that might be available? Perhaps reaching out to a tour guide and finding out some rates for those that are interested in doing that. What amenities does the hotel provide that you could maybe put in this letter to let you know your guests know? Maybe there's a spa, maybe not, but there might be something that they provide. And I think mm-hmm. the more information, to a, to a degree, I wouldn't say go overboard, but give them maybe four or five things that they can look forward to. Maybe upon arrival, you have you know, a little bottle of water, or maybe there's something nice with the letter. And then you just kind of allow them she'll know her parents better than anyone. So does the travel phobia involve they need time to catch up to uh, the time zone or are they hit the ground running kind of people, right? And if that's, once she determines that, maybe there's something that evening, a nice welcome, that could definitely help. Also, her second question about letting people get to know one another, maybe do a little happy hour somewhere, something simple. It might not even need to be a planned meal. Maybe it's just a little happy hour. Guests can come. You have some little charcuterie or something there for them nice. to you know, snack on. Um, and then you can always do something fun at those kinds of places where they leave you a piece of advice on something they sign in or you play a little game, something along that maybe lets them get to know you or perhaps you want to go a little more formal and you do little seating arrangements, maybe the tables have pieces of information of the bride and the groom. Oh, I so, like that. you know, did you know that Chelsea loves to play golf or her fiance is an avid, um, whatever it might be, right? Um, you know, loves to clean the house at 5 p.m. Something, some <laughs> random little fact that like makes people laugh. It could even be a little tongue in cheek, but kind of breaks the ice because that's, it sounds like what she's looking to accomplish is two things. Make people feel very welcome and ease once they get there and then ease into an ice breaking situation. So, that's how I would I would look at that. 
Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I love okay. the welcome package. And I love that you sort of said personalize it with a letter or a little, mm-hmm. a little booklet or something. Because I think sometimes mm-hmm. people start thinking, oh, we need a big bag of stuff to no. give people. And you're like, no, just be thoughtful. I'm mm-hmm. always... I'm always banging on Michelle about saying instead of gifting people, write a card or give them the oh, gift. It's my favorite. Mm. You took the words out of my mouth. I was gonna say even a handwritten note, thank you so yeah. much for being here. You know, we're so we're so happy to celebrate with you. It goes such a long way. These kinds of things, although although it is wonderful to design them and create something really sure. beautiful, that's not necessarily required. And if it's not in your budget, there's still a way to do it where it feels personal and it feels very welcoming. Yeah. Not everyone needs travel flip-flops and and all this stuff. I mean, look, I'm not dissing the travel flip-flops. We would say (laughs) thongs in Australia, but that's gotten me in trouble, Michelle, because it doesn't mean the same thing. Well, yeah, I mean, you could self-interpretation, yeah. (laughs) Although a thong could be very welcoming too. I mean, you know. (laughs) Here, Mum and Dad, have a thong. Right, welcome. you're expecting. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Just as an extension, uh, Amanda asked about – about talking to parents. Now, I refer, Michelle, to parents who contribute money. I call them wedding donors. It's my Mm -hmm. political affiliation here just saying they're a little bit like uh, Mm -hmm. political donators who say they don't want anything, but then sometimes they come back and want to say something. Oh, they certainly have said, oh, I just, whatever you want, except this is what I want since I'm paying for it. Mm -hmm. Change everything. So Amanda Mm -hmm. says, how can we talk to parents who are fighting against the, quote, non-traditional ceremony that is more secular than they would prefer? Now, I'm sure you have seen, you have planned a bunch of weddings. I'm sure you've Mm -hmm. seen a mix of this situation happen over Mm -hmm. the years. What do you think? So the one thing I always tell my clients that's so important is to learn to pick your battles. Mm -hmm. If you have parents that are contributing financially, um, there is inevitably there will be a moment where you feel a little bit perhaps stressed, slightly irritated by the fact that they seemingly maybe have what I'd like to call a forceful opinion. Right. (laughs) Right. And that they kind of passively, aggressively, oh, whatever you want, but I am paying for it. And then you're like, what does that even mean? Right. So I always say pick your battles. And if there's certain places where you really want to put your foot down and hold your ground together with your significant other, then by all means do so. And for Amanda, if this is one of those places, I would say, is there somewhere else in within the wedding that, that these wedding donors are looking for another thing that they really like? Is there a place maybe you can bring in tradition that they haven't thought of? Is yep. there a blessing they could do before dinner or something that maybe allows them to still feel, because I think at the end of the day, what, what happens is they're not necessarily opposed to it so much as they don't understand it Yes, because weddings were a certain format to them. There was a formula you went for, for many people of church faith, uh, church-based faiths. You went to a church, you had a person of faith deliver your ceremony. You walked out, you then went to your cocktail hour, you went to your reception. There were all these benchmarks you had to hit. As we are evolving in the wedding industry, we're finding that a person who has never been of Jewish faith, for example, can have a chuppah because they like the way it looks, right? (laughs) And so while that's very freeing and it's very unifying, for people of an older generation, it can be a little confusing. I went through this, I got married two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I went through this a little bit with my dad. We decided to get married outside of Chicago because we got married in January. So I was kind of avoiding the Arctic tundra. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I thought so. <laughs> and long story very short, we were down in West Palm Beach and he had said to me, and he was definitely the primary donor. He was like the super pack donor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I said, you know, he said, look, the only thing I'm 
I, I know you want to go here and there and everywhere with this. I would just really like for you to get married in a church. So what we ended up doing was compromising and we found a little church. It felt very chapel-esque, gave me a very Italian feel, which was something that's very important to my family heritage. And I loved it. He was happy. We, we actually brought in someone from Chicago who delivered the ceremony and we were able to find a way to make it work. So my suggestion would be talk through it with them and say, look, are you feeling really strongly about this because you don't understand it? Can, can we provide why this is so important to us? This way that we exchange vows feels very sacred to us. We don't want to take away from what you know, but this is important. Communication, I think, is key when you're dealing with everyone, especially those donors, those parents, those contributors, to get to the core of are they not understanding it? Do they just hate it? You might get to a point where you're sort of at a standoff and they do just hate it, in which case, respectfully, you may have to put your foot down or give in. I, I would I I would say I would love to have a, more of a conversation with you to get to know a little bit better the dynamics. But as a surface piece of advice, that would be what I say. Pick your battles. Be willing to sit down with them and say, look, here's here's why this is so important to us. Can Does that help you at all with your decision? And kind of go from there. Oh, Michelle, you are. I'm picking up what you're putting down. This is very good advice oh, good. <laughs> and very popular-esque. Uh, Michelle DePetty, we are going to come back after the break and we've got a couple more questions from Alan. I'll be here. <laughs> so will I. <laughs> In the Bride Chiller Facebook community, every day, I am not kidding, I see conversations about wedding gift registries, people asking for their best recommendation of where they should register. And the most popular... The most popular response is Zola.com. Zola have been with us as Bride Chiller Partners for nearly two years now, which shows just how much chillers love using Zola. If you're newly engaged and wondering what Zola is all about, well, strap yourself in, chillers. Let's go for a ride. Like the Bride Chiller podcast, Zola takes the stress out of wedding planning with free wedding websites, wedding registries, affordable save-the-dates and invitations, and also easy-to-use planning tools. It's super convenient because you can manage all of this information in one place online, which means you don't have to zip-zap-zap all over the place to find out who's RSVPing and who is pick something off your wedding registry. With over a hundred beautiful wedding website designs to choose from, you can coordinate them with your pre-existing invitations or make your own invitations via the Zola website and make it all look the same. You can add photos, stories about how you met. You can also add travel and accommodation info for your guests, an FAQ section, which is fabulous for being able to explain things that you don't have to say over and over again in emails or text messages. Just send them the link can i bring my kids no move on how much is accommodation check the accommodation page do i have a plus one no you don't you can also put your zola registry directly on your wedding website so guests can get all of the details that they need and buy you wedding gifts in one convenient place what i love about zola is that you don't need to buy stuff you don't need to add things to your registry you can create a honeymoon fund or you can register for gift cards to your favorite brands like delta southwest hulu you get your subscription so you can sit on the couch home depot and many many more to start your free wedding website and also of course there's a bonus you get 50 dollars off your registry on zola all you need to do is go to Zola, Z-O-L-A dot com backslash bride chiller. That is Z-O-L-A 
bridechiller.com backslash bridechiller to get your $50 off, start your free wedding website and registry and get cracking. Chillers, often the word luxury is associated with spending a lot of money. Sometimes you would consider things to be overpriced if they are referred to as luxurious, but not with our friends at Noemi, who are focused on creating beautiful future heirloom jewellery pieces that are produced by a family-owned production house that's been in the jewellery making business for over 40 years. So you know when you place an order with Noemi, you know that you are getting quality jewellery made by people who really know what they're doing. Noemi cuts out the middleman. They make the jewellery themselves. They source sustainable gold and diamonds to use in all of their designs and their wedding bands are guaranteed to be better priced than anywhere else in the entire world and made in any size you need, literally any size. They will do it for you. So how do Noemi do it? Unlike some of the other larger jewellery chains, with Noemi, you are buying directly from the creative people, the designers, the manufacturers, the people that actually make the jewellery. Because Noemi does it all in-house. I beseech you to go to the Noemi website and check out their gorgeous designs. Really, there is something to suit all tastes. And like me, once you purchase one Noemi ring, you'll just want many more. <laughs> so chillers, like me, if you're tired of markups and middlemen and you are looking for gorgeous jewellery, then may I suggest you consider Noemi. Noemi makes your experience completely risk-free. You get a lifetime warranty, free overnight shipping and free returns for a full refund. And our international bride chillers who are not living in the States will also get super fast international shipping at a very small additional cost. They will even guarantee you will not find better quality jewellery at a lower price anywhere in the world. Anywhere. Head to Hello Noemi, which is hello, N-O-E-M-I-E dot com and use the very special promo code BRIDECHILLER for $75 off any wedding band today. That is hello noemi, N-O-E-M-I-E dot com. Use the promo code BRIDECHILLER, get $75 off your wedding band today and cross gorgeous, fabulous wedding jewellery off your to-do list. Welcome back to the Bride Chiller Podcast. We are taking your cue and we are giving our A's to uh, wedding-related things. Now, I thought we'd jump to Jamie. Um, Jamie is – she's got a couple of points here, and I thought it was nice to come back to our timeline conversation from earlier mm-hmm. in the show. First of all, she says that they're having a lunchtime wedding. I like a daytime wedding. I think sometimes – Me too. You know, they're underestimated. I think there's a lot There's a lot going for them. Um, she says, we're starting at 11. Oh, makeup's going to be early, Jamie. Well, she's so funny. She also mentions she's not a morning person. Yeah, geez, I mean. This which is, is really funny. I feel nervous for her already. <laughs> <laughs> ending the week. They're ending at 4 p.m., so it's, it's tight and bright. There will be mm-hmm. dancing and plated meals and cakes and toast just like at dinner time. So good. She set mm-hmm. that up for us. She asks, what sort of timeline consideration should I be aware of prior to the wedding day? Good. Um, say with getting hair and makeup photos with my fiance and family. I'm not a morning person, as we've said, so I'll need to amp myself up to have a good plan. I like this. We've got more of the question, but let's hit this bit, this one first. Now, 
that is the, that is the only sort of downside to morning weddings. You've got to be up at the crack of or earlier mm-hmm. to get things well, done. Well, but the reality is, you know what, even for even for couples that choose to not, we call this sort of like a brunch wedding yeah. here in Chicago, uh, but even couples that don't go this route, you know, you, they may have a three o'clock ceremony. I, for example, sometimes have bridal parties that have nine, 10, 11 girls in them. Wow. Some, and a 5 a.m. start time is somewhat normal. Mm-hmm. I would say I would say two things to Jamie. One, I would say I understand you're not a morning person. I too am not a huge fan of like up with the birds, right? <laughs> but it's your it's your wedding day, and I guarantee to you, the minute the sun peaks above the horizon, you're up yep. because it's your wedding day. So take that in consideration. My other consideration would be if you're still like mm, Michelle. Yeah, I know it's my wedding day, but I'm still not going to feel it. Make yourself a big old pot of coffee, maybe an extra scoop of caffeine in there. So, you know, a little bit, maybe a little grindy, right? Um, And just accept that you've chosen a wedding that starts at 11. So you're going to have to make this concession a little bit, maybe an earlier, maybe your rehearsal isn't the night before. If there's some festivities and some partying that you'd like to do with family and friends and all of that, maybe you do that. For example, if your wedding's on a Saturday, maybe consider that on a Thursday mm-hmm. so that you have Friday to recover. That's nice. And you could maybe you could maybe go to bed early. That would be a suggestion of mine. Um, and so in terms of, so that's what I would say to that to start and really make sure that you're in it from the moment you wake up, you can get caffeinated and sort of motivated and ready to go. In terms of timing, I would say there's a few questions whenever you're doing timeline, but specifically for this, because it's a condensed, you only have so much time before 11 a.m. You know, will you be seeing your groom before the ceremony? If so, that is something you want to factor in. So you probably want to give at least 45 minutes to that. You, you know, are there a lot of who else is getting hair and makeup? Is it just you that would qualify? So figuring out when you need to be ready, for example, if you're seeing him or if you're just doing or her, if you're just doing photos uh, with family and any bridal party before that, and you don't see your fiance until ceremony that maybe gives you a little bit more time, but you're probably looking at, I mean, you, I don't know how far you are from your ceremony. I'm assuming at least 15 minutes. So by 1045, you want to be on your way, if not already there. Cause I don't know that you want to arrive right at 11. You want to give yourself a little margin. Mm-hmm. So you're really looking at an early morning here, kind of no matter how you slice it, unfortunately. Um, I'm love, really I, sorry, Jamie. Oh, I'm sorry too, but I love hearing your <laughs> brain just go through. And, and this shows your experience, but also just thinking back. And I love the contingency for travel. I love the 10-minute warning before you get to the church or <laughs> the venue. So this is very good coordination. I think this is what people underestimate when they're like, ah, okay, yeah. it's two hours. You're like, no, let's break that two hours down. Let's think about what we're going to be doing. Let's think about process. Right. Well, it's, it's so funny. A lot of times when I start, when my clients are like, well, talk to me about timing and I'll sort of have this time-related stream of consciousness and I can see their eyes getting larger and larger and I'm like oh shit I didn't mean that I'm sorry like I'll I'll do it I'll do all the work I promise it's just how I think right because I'm trying I'm I'm looking in my brain as I'm talking to you I'm seeing a timeline manifest in my head right so that's kind of how it's just it's all coming up and there's Michelle just going through Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely taking the blue pill, right? (laughs) The blue or the red or the, yeah. We'll take them all. Um, Now, lovely Jamie (laughs) also says she, and this is a good question as well about daytime weddings, because I think Mm -hmm. a lot of the time, as we said, there are lots of pros and cons to having a wedding at any time of the day or night. But she brings up the idea about dancing and trying to create a party atmosphere in the day. And I thought this was really a, a great way to think because it can feel like dancing in the daytime can be a bit weird, but it's not weird, but you just got to adjust your attitude a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't, 
I don't think it's weird. I don't think it's weird at all. I think, you know, what I like to tell my clients all the time is there really is no such thing as far as I know, anywhere in the world as the wedding police. So if you make a choice, no one's going to come turn on a siren and find you or take you away, right? And yes. if your choice is to celebrate your marriage at 11 o'clock in the morning and you want to dance at 2 o'clock to celebrate that, then by all means dance. Right. And yes. so for me, that's for me, that's kind of a very foundational principle that I tell all of my clients. This is about you getting married. It's about doing that with your friends and family, collectively witnessing that that ritual and and then moving into the ensuing celebration afterward. Um, and the time of day shouldn't matter. And I think if you have the right entertainment and you make sure that your guests, there might even be a way to communicate that in your invitation, for example. Mm -hmm. We're looking forward to kicking up our heels and dancing during the day, right? You might be able to layer in some form of communication that helps educate your guests that they are coming to something that's celebratory, even though the sun is still up. Yes, good. I mean, look, a couple of wines, everyone will dance. Good music. Absolutely. I mean, right. give me wine and I'll dance I mean, whenever you want me to dance. Isn't that why day drinking exists? God bless day drinking. <laughs> Especially for those of us that are like over 40 because oh. I can't last past 9 p.m. anyway. Oh, so. my God, 9 p.m. <laughs> put my stretchy pants on and put me in front of the television. Oh, no, I'm already in those when I go out for the day drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I love a jazzy, a jazzy stretchy pant and we're on Absolutely. <laughs> Casual chic. It's an athleisure, right, oh, is what they call oh, it these days. Athleisure is like, oh, my God, anyone that – see, now Australians, we love an athleisure because you never – we're a sporty nation, but we've just become right. complete athleisure, you know, athleisure, athleisure. Yeah, I think a lot of people have, though. I think we all kind of are a little bit that way. I relate. Um, I thought we jump now to Sydney's question. Now, this is okay. interesting because she's asking about save the dates and invitations. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know where Sydney's based, but I'm I, I, in, in the United Kingdom. I live in London, Michelle, and I come from Australia, okay. and I talk to a lot of Americans. So things get a bit mixed up with uh, etiquette. Whatever, as you said, no, oh, for sure. no wedding police on our premises at this current stage, so we'll be fine. But in the United Kingdom, they have a lot of the time they have the wedding breakfast, which is confusing because obviously it's not breakfast; it's the lunch or the dinner, and then they mm -hmm. might have disco a disco. Do we still call them discos? I still do. I like the word. There disco. we go. I'm showing my I'm showing my age and, and attitude. I don't think, I, no, I think it's very in vogue right now to say disco. Disco, fine. They're going to have a wedding disco mm -hmm. a party, a dancing, um, and they might invite a whole bunch of other people later on in the day so they sometimes do I know I love that that's yeah. one of my whenever I see a royal wedding I'm like oh god that's such a cool format yeah so sometimes they'll invite you know they'll say we're having 50 for the morning and then we're gonna have 150 later on so mm -hmm. I don't know if Sydney's question relates to this but I just thought I'd pop it out there if people are confused as to what she's saying. She says, question about save the dates. We are doing a smaller ceremony of 50 guests, closest family and friends. And then afterwards, we are having about 100 other guests attend the reception about two hours yes. later. I just received my save the dates and they will be sent out to all 150 people saying, save the date for the wedding of blah, 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 blah. I didn't think it would matter on our invitations if it says whether they are invited to the wedding reception or just the reception with a little comment on the bottom saying, the bride and groom are choosing to have a small ceremony, but would love you to attend the reception to celebrate. Do you think this will be confusing by sending out save the dates and then they say come to the wedding later, but most actually won't be coming to that? Does that make sense? I got it. But she's yeah, just no, it, Yeah, I think so. I, you know, this is, and it's, it's, 
it's something I think that people go through more often than you'd think, mm-hmm. Sydney. So take a deep breath because the end of her question and it was a help all in caps. Help! So I'm, <laughs> I'm here for you, Sydney. Don't take a deep <laughs> breath. Don't stress. Don't freak out. Here's the thing. Um, basically, no matter what they are being invited, invited to on that day, it is still your wedding. Yes. So whether it's your wedding ceremony and or your wedding ceremony and reception, it's still your wedding. So I think the fact that it says save the date for the wedding of is completely okay. Mm-hmm. I love that you have something in here that says, uh, I believe she said something. There's a little comment on the bottom explaining there's going to be a very intimate ceremony, but later on we'd love for you to attend to yeah, celebrate. Nice. I actually... I think it's lovely. And this goes back to even what I was saying earlier when we were talking about the daytime wedding. Your invitation shouldn't just be a a printed vessel that explains a time and a place and a dress code. Mm -hmm. It can actually inform and educate. It can tell you about room blocks. It can tell you, yes, for dress code or style or all of these things. But it can also tell you the bride and groom are choosing to do a really intimate ceremony. We are looking forward to celebrating with you at our reception. You're being upfront. You're being very, you're providing knowledge. Nobody should take offense to that, in my opinion. I agree. I totally agree. And if they've got, if they're worried or they're confused, they can simply contact you and ask you for more Absolutely. Something you may want to do too, and you may want to consider doing this. I know you said your your save the date is already printed, but do you have a wedding website? Yeah. Is that included on there? Because that's somewhere you can even address that potentially, yep. or just allow them to contact you directly if you don't want to go through all of that. But I think I think the way you're doing it is fine. If this is how you'd like this to happen, and this is what works for you, then that's how you do it. Exactly. Oh, Michelle. You, you're a gem. You're a star. <laughs> Thank you. Been, the feeling is very neutral. I find you very star-like as well. I enjoy oh, chatting. Gosh, stop it! I'm all flattered. <laughs> <laughs> now, Michelle, if, if my lovely, if my lovely bride chillers want to have a little cheeky stalk, if they want to get to know you, if they maybe want to come yeah. and and have a chat about you uh, doing your thing with their wedding, mm-hmm. how do they get in touch? And and what's the best way? Well, I happen to love a good cheeky stock, so please come my way if that's what you're looking for. Um, I'm available. You can find me online at www.derpettyevents.com. You can also find me on Instagram. My uh, handle is mderpettyevents. Uh, and I always, I, I manage it myself and I do all of the captioning and everything myself. So anytime you send me a DM, it's me that replies. Uh, and you can find my email on my website. Um, it's basically Michelle with two L's at derpettyevents.com. So that's how you find me. This was such a pleasure. You can come back anytime. I'd love to have you back if you were, if you would wish. I would anytime I would love, we didn't get through all our Q and A, so we can always do a a second session if you'd like. Look, and I put out questions. We've got a lovely Facebook group, Michelle, and I put out the questions, and we always get a barrage of uh, of questions. Okay. So there are always questions, and especially if um, if you have specific, we can put out a different topic next time. We can go nuts. You can pick the topic. Oh, that would be amazing. I'd love that. Good. All right. Look at that. Let's a date. We'll book it in and we'll bring you more wonderful Michelle moments. Uh, lovely Bride Chillers. If you are looking for more information about today's show, all you need to do is visit thebridechiller.com. Until next time, I wish you all and you, Michelle, happy days. Thank you so much. Right back at you. <laughs> the Bride Chiller Podcast. The only place a cookie cutter should be used is in the kitchen. Am I right?